frequency of heaven I want to be. Good morning and welcome to the Frequency of Heaven podcast. I pray that you are doing well today. This is Pastor Caleb from Stony Point Christian Church. And as you know, this podcast is about hearing God's voice, getting on his frequency. And um, and sometimes on this podcast, I'm actually trying to teach folks how to do that. Other times I'm sharing of, of times in my life when that's happened to me. Today, I want to start with a story. Well, let's start with prayer, then I'll get into the story. Heavenly Father, we ask for a special anointing. We pray for your power. And God, this this podcast you're putting in my heart, or Isaiah 26, 3, which is all about peace. So God, I'm asking that you would bring an incredible peace upon every listener that's only found in Jesus. God, would you please, whatever fear, whatever worry, whatever storm, whatever mountain is in the way, God, you're bigger. Increase our faith, increase our trust, and give us your supernatural peace in Jesus' name. I want to talk about finding peace by returning to Calvary, by returning to the cross, by looking at the finished work of Jesus, okay? And I'm even gonna use an Old Testament passage to show you how in the Old Testament they found peace in the cross, even though it didn't come for hundreds of years later. They were looking forward to it. We get to look back at it. And the power, it is so powerful. The cross and what Jesus did is so powerful. It, it spoke to people hundreds of years before. It spoke to those people who saw it, the Roman soldier who said, surely this is the son of God. And it speaks to people um, all these years later. One afternoon, I was in prayer. I was in my prayer closet. Actually, it was a closet. I had preached, I had eaten lunch, and I'd, I'd laid, laid down on this, I had this mattress in, my, in, in the closet there where I'd just pray, especially on Sunday afternoons, I'd just be with the Lord, let him revive me and speak to me. I don't remember if I was in a good mood or a bad mood. I don't remember anything other than I was trying to fix my eyes on Jesus. I was trying to press in and just behold him. I never had this happen before like this. I've, had, I've heard people talking about having visions of the nail-scarred hands, and I've had stuff like that. Um, I have people talk about seeing Jesus' face and different things. But I, I was there in prayer with my eyes closed, really hungering for his presence, really hungering for intimacy, hungering to be near, very near him. That, like Mary Magdalene in the garden, like I have to, I have to see him, I gotta touch him, you know, that kind of hunger. And out of nowhere... I saw just a little glimpse of Jesus's back and the scars from the flogging. And, and it was such a, oh, it just, it just ministered to me that the, the love of a man, the most powerful man who, who could have snapped his fingers and made those Roman soldiers go away, the strength it must have taken for him just to take it to take the flogging, to take the whip. And so, and then of course you got the nail scars and you got the scar on his side from the spear and the scar on his forehead from the crown of thorns and then the brokenheartedness from all the sin of the world being on him. And man, God just came into that prayer closet and ministered to me from scripture knowing these truths. It wasn't just a vision, but it was a scripture 
faith-based vision. The people have visions today. Joseph Smith had visions of all kinds of stuff that wasn't based in the Word of God. So we got to be careful when we talk about visions. But this was just an incredible encouragement that flooded my soul. And what it do? It brought love. It brought incredible love. And out of that love came peace. Now, I want to show you a verse. And it actually kind of what inspired this, I've been thinking about Isaiah 26.3, I, I reference this verse sometimes. And um, the first time I ever heard this verse, it was in a Charles Stanley sermon, the old Baptist preacher, Southern Baptist preacher. And let me read Isaiah 26.3. You, talking about God, the prophet Isaiah says, you, God, will keep in perfect peace. Ooh, I like the word keep. You know, it's one thing to be in peace for a few minutes. It's and then then you're not <laughs> to be kept in peace. But it's not just any peace. It's perfect peace. Now I haven't even got the you know the other part of the verse. I just love the first line. You will keep in perfect peace. Boom, done, love it. I guess so. Sign me up. <laughs> you know, so I don't. You know, James one says that we can be like. Uh, tossed here and fro like the waves on the sea when we doubt. We doubt and then we're, we're high and then we're low and we're good and we're bad and we're peaceful and we're a wreck. And, and we don't want to be like that. We don't want to be tossed around like the waves of the sea. And this says there's a better way. There's perfect peace. For who? Those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. So here's the secret. Now, how does the cross figure into this? You know, I um, really today have been trying to study out, actually, and it started last week, study out this passage, trying to understand the context. I have used this verse dozens of times in preaching and teaching and in counseling with people and didn't really understand and know the context. I didn't hadn't researched chapters 23, 24, 25, 26 in like, okay, what's Isaiah talking about? What's the historical backdrop? Well, let me tell you why this verse is in Isaiah 26. So the book of Isaiah is written uh, about 750 years before Christ. And it was written by the prophet Isaiah to the Southern kingdom of Judah. And it is the tribe of Judah and Benjamin, and they have their capital city in Jerusalem, and they are sinning, 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 sinning. And right when Isaiah starts his reign, um, there's a, a king, the king of Zion has died, and he's going to prophesy throughout the duration of four or five kings. So Isaiah has a long ministry of prophesying, and this book has a lot of prophecies in it. But what happens basically in this book is um, the first few chapters are talking about the nation of Israel and all their sin and God's upset and he's gonna judge them. And eventually he does. He brings the Babylonian army and others and he attacks Jerusalem because they won't repent. And instead of repenting, Israel the prophet says, repent, God will take care of you. No, we're not going to repent. We're doing just fine. We're going to make an alliance with Egypt. You know, we're going to make an alliance with these other wicked, pagan, uh, not God-fearing nations. And so many times when we have sin in our life uh, and, and we need to pray, we need to repent, we need to get right, God will come. God will help us, but we don't. We just keep plowing through and we try to figure out ways to fix our problem outside of God. And that does not lead to peace. 
And so what happens throughout the course of this book is the first part starts off, God is going to judge his own people. But then chapter six is the call of Isaiah. At the very end of chapter six, God talks about a stump that has a root that comes out of it, the root of Jesse. And what he's saying is, Israel, you're like a big tree, but I'm gonna cut you down. But out of the bloodline of David, there's gonna be a good root that comes and eventually Jesus, the Messiah is gonna come and I'm gonna start a new thing. And so my promises to David to always have one of his bloodline on the throne is eventually gonna be fulfilled in one of his descendants named Jesus. <laughs> and so you get into chapter seven, eight and nine and you, you see some, there's some prophecies about the Messiah. But then chapters 12 through 22, God is, is pronouncing judgment on many of the nations that came and attacked Israel. That's kind of interesting because God raised up these nations. God raised up Tyre and Sidon and all Moab and all these people to be the hand of discipline to come against Jerusalem. But in the process of doing that, they had sin and wickedness they didn't repent of. So even though they were used kind of like the paddle to spank <laughs> Jerusalem, Judah, God has judgment for them. But there's always in these books in the Old Testament that are full of prophecy and kind of the doom and gloom, there's always this ray of hope. Chapters 24, 25, and 26 and 27, um, some people refer to Isaiah 24 through 27 as a book within a book. And actually, it's a, you see here, it says in top of 25, praise to the Lord. Top of 26, it says a song of praise. This is, talk, this is kind of a little bit of a summation. These four chapters, it's kind of like a worship. Um, Isaiah is turning and praising and thanking God for this whole thing that he's been doing. There's been judgment and there. He talks about the judgment there in 24. And then in chapter 24, verse 21, he shifts and he talks about, you know, yes, the nation of Israel is going to be taken off into Babylonian captivity, but they're going to be brought back. Remember Ezra and Nehemiah, they bring the people back. They rebuild the wall. They build a temple and God reestablishes the nation of Israel. They were in captivity, Jeremiah prophesied, for 70 years exactly. They were disciplined in a foreign land away from the homeland for 70 years. And so when we get to chapters 24, 25, 26, and we're working up to this verse here in 23, what God is doing is he's telling them good things are coming. I'm gonna reestablish you. Now, this is beautiful because all of us have messed up. We've sinned. We have not been in good relationship with God. And just like the prodigal son, we're out there in a far country eating pig's food. <laughs> but God is a good father. He wants to bring us back. He wants to put a cloak around our neck. He wants to put a ring on our finger. He wants to throw a celebration. And so what happens here in twenty chapter 25 is prophet Isaiah begins to prophesy the kingdom of God that's gonna come through Jesus. And this is gonna be an incredible blessing. Yes, the nation of Israel sinned, but they served their sentence in uh, captivity in Babylon. God has brought them back. And in about 400 years after, or 500 years after they come back, God is actually going to bring a Messiah. And this Messiah is going to bring a type of peace these people could only dream about. 
you know? And it's not a political piece. See, they would look to Egypt to help them with their political piece. They would try to build a wall around Jerusalem for their political piece. But he is shifting here. This is not a peace that comes by man. It's a peace that came through a perfect savior on a hill called Calvary when he spread his arms open wide and nails went in and blood and water flowed. Now look what he says here in verse six of 25. On this mountain, he, Isaiah is like, prophesying, but he's, it's, this is a song of praise to God about what he's going to do to bring peace. And in the minds of these people, they often thought, yes, God brings us peace. He's going to give us someone like David to fight off. No, the next David that's coming, his name is Jesus. He's the son of David. But the peace that he's bringing is supernatural. It actually doesn't need a wall uh, made of stone and mortar because he has the ability to come to our hearts and bring peace and remove sin. Verse 6, 25 says, on this mountain, what mountain? Calvary is the prophecy. The Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for people. How did Jesus prepare a rich mountain of food, on a mountain food for the people? Remember, his body, Jesus said in John 6, my body is real food, my blood is real drink. The feast is his sacrifice, a banquet of aged wine, the best meats and the finest wine on this mountain. What mountain? Calvary. He will destroy the shroud that enfolds the people. What are we talking about? We're talking about sin. We're talking about darkness. We're talking about um, not even you know, knowing our right hand from our left hand like the people of Nineveh because we, we have been so selfish. We've been so wrapped up and addicted to bad behavior and unrighteousness and, and fighting and quarreling. But there's a shroud that goes around people, but it's gonna break because of what Jesus does on the cross. The sheet that covers all the nations, everybody is in infected with sin, no matter what nation you're from. He will swallow up death forever. What are we talking about? The resurrection. Paul quotes this very line in 1 Corinthians 55. Jesus is going to swallow up death because he overcame death and broke its power. The sovereign Lord will wipe away tears. Now, there's so many beautiful things about this. This is 750 years before the resurrection. It is 750 years before the cross. And yet it's laid out here and prophesied. There's a Messiah coming. They look forward to a Messiah that would bring peace. You and I, we are in the age. We're in the day. This has happened. This is our inheritance. Jesus said in Luke 4, this is the year of the Lord's favor. And guess what, folks? We're still living in the year of the Lord's favor. We get to be recipients. We can come to Jesus and we can confess, we can get right with God and peace can begin to flow in our hearts. We don't need brick and mortar wall. He swallowed up the shadow of death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace. That's sin, it is shame. From all the, all the earth, the Lord has spoken. In that day, they will say, surely this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. So we're leading up to 26, verse three. We're here still in 25, nine. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvations. Because he uses the word salvation. We're talking about the cross. We're talking about the work that Jesus is coming to do. The hand of the Lord will rest on the mountain. What mountain? Calvary. 
Jesus brought rest and peace. Even that Roman soldier that said, surely this is the son of God. People began to realize Jesus was breaking a demonic stronghold and power. The Roman soldiers, they didn't know anything but war and fear and conquering. Did it ever bring them peace? And the emperors wanted to be worshiped as gods and many of them actually went crazy. That's interesting. They literally went insane and did crazy things. Why? They didn't have peace. It didn't matter how many roads they built, how many shipping lanes they created, how many alliances. It didn't matter how many places they took. Did Rome ever find peace? You can't find peace in conquering and fighting and and destroying all your enemies. Peace is only found in the salvation of Jesus. And it came on a cross when he allowed the whole sin of the world to come upon him. And he, as the innocent lamb of God, died, washing away that ancient, present, and even all the future sins of this world. Moab will be trampled. That is just Moab is symbolic of all the enemies of God. Astral is trampled down in the manure. Now jump down here into verse one of chapter 26. My NIV Bible says this is a song of praise. It's actually a song of victory. And I'm gonna tell you what, how many worship songs and how many, there is power in the blood, blood flows from Emmanuel vein at the cross. I mean, think of how many worship songs and hymns focus and center on the finished work of Calvary. And why? Because it says in 1 Corinthians 1.18, the, the cross might appear like foolishness to those who are perishing, but for you and me, it is the power of God. It's the power. It says in Colossians 2.15 that the cross disarmed Satan. <laughs> it says in Hebrews 2.14 that the cross rendered Satan powerless. I love that. In the New American Standard Version, it says that. And so we, we get with Jesus and we go back and it says, now look at verse 26. It says, in that day, this song will be sung in the land. We have a strong city, but it's, it, we're not talking about Jerusalem with brick and mortar. That's not, God makes salvation its walls. It's not literal walls. It's our salvation in Jesus is the wall. That's why the helmet of salvation is part of the armor of God. It protects us. It pushes out the lies and the darkness. I'm saved. I'm born again. He loved me enough to die for me. I must be worth something. If you're listening today, do you understand? As you look at a map of the universe, the size of planet earth, to say it's a needle in a haystack is an understatement. Earth is nothing in the grand cosmos of all God's creation. And you and I as individuals are a tiny little speck on that planet, this planet. And yet your heavenly father sees you and he knows you. And when he died on that cross, it wasn't just for humanity. It was for you, beloved. (laughs) It was for you. The power of the cross in Isaiah's day, they were reaching for it. We get to live in it. Open the gates that the righteous nation may enter. The nation that keeps faith cling to the cross. 
go back to it, it says, I love you. It goes back to you, says, I will do anything for you. The cross says that I will sacrifice. There's nothing I won't give to protect you. That's what the cross says. Verse three is our verse. God, as I'm thinking about Calvary, as I'm thinking about and I'm singing about your victory, you keep me in perfect peace. The one whose mind is steadfast because they trust in you. If you can trust Jesus to fulfill this prophecy so in detail, 750 years before, can't you trust him with what you have going on in your life today? You got a tough week? Can't you trust him? Your trust is what will give you peace. If you jump out of an airplane and you have complete peace in that parachute, <laughs> you really trust it. You really, really trust it. You'll have peace. <laughs> I hope I never have to do that. Trust the Lord forever, for the Lord himself is the rock eternal. Here's the deal. God loves you. And if what I'm saying is true, that we could actually look to the cross and find peace uh, shouldn't there be a New Testament verse that helps us with that? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Hebrews 12, 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. You know, he started your faith and he's going to perfect your faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. And he sat down at the right hand, the throne of God. Yeah, but it still hasn't said anything about this is what I'm supposed to be praying about and thinking about for my people. Okay, okay. Verse three, consider him. What does the word consider mean? Well, you know, you know, someone might have a contract they want you to sign and they give it to you. So go home, consider it, think about it, sleep on it. When you consider something, you look at it from all angles. You behold it. You read it thoroughly. Consider this Jesus who died on the cross who he endured such opposition from sinners. The Hebrew writer is saying, in your mind, go back to what Jesus suffered on the cross. That's what he says. Consider him who suffered from sinners and opposition. Is there any power in that? Look at the next phrase. So that you will not grow weary or lose heart. You know what that sounds to me like? Peace. <laughs> Calvary brings peace. And in that afternoon, when I had that vision of Jesus' back and the scourging, I don't remember if I was struggling with peace, but I learned something that day. Anytime that I'm struggling with peace, I can get in prayer and I can get in worship. I can take my eyes off my burden and anything that's worrisome and, and freaking me out and I can put my eyes on the cross. If I can trust him to save my soul and I can trust his love, I can probably trust him to get me through this. He is so awesome. Now, and I remember what David said. He said in Psalm 51, God, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Heavenly Father, we're asking for peace to come into our mind. God, take our mind back to Calvary. Take our mind to what you did. Maybe we need to break out our Bible and read the story of you walking up that hill and how they had to get someone to help you carry your cross. And maybe we need to get out a Jesus film and watch it again and, and see your love. See the nail-scarred hands. 
see the blood and water that flowed. Whatever it takes, God, we come back to the basics. Isaiah's group, they were looking forward to it. We look back on it and we get to live in the day and the age that you made for us. Thank you. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the power. Thank you that it's still working, it's still moving, and it's still going forward. Would you please give peace to everybody listening today? You had them all those years ago. You've got them. And this week, you've got it covered. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Have an awesome week, beloved. I want to be on the frequency of Christ. I want